Uh, that was pretty weak. Come on, how's everybody doing today? Good. Are you excited to be in church? Yes. And I love, I love uh, Sundays with my church family. Can you for a moment just high five your neighbor, give him a big old church hug, give him some love, tell him you're excited to sit next to him. I love it. Um, I am uh, really excited about today. We're doing something uh, we haven't really done before, uh, maybe uh, like 10 years ago, and we're bringing something back. Uh, I'm really excited about it. We're in a series right now. It's called Microphone. Everybody say microphone. microphone. Uh, this is the conclusion in the last Sunday in the Microphone series. Everybody say, aww. Uh, I'm really excited about it, though, because we're ending with a bang. Uh, it's been a series basically around this word, influence. And learning how to influence uh, people effectively and for Christ. And so basically we have this tagline, the microphone is always on. And people are always watching, people are always listening. What are you doing to influence people? And so I have a privilege and an honor uh, of having a panel today. Uh, I have some personal mentors and heroes, people that inspire me, uh, certainly in their businesses, in their professions, in their families, but uh, so much so in their faith. Uh, I love uh, the three men I'm going to be able to introduce really fast. I want to give you a little context and give you a verse to kind of chew on a little bit, and this is what we're going to talk about today. First uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23, this is what it says. Paul speaking, Though I am free, I belong to no one, but I have made myself a slave to everyone, watch this, to win as many as possible. Isn't that awesome? To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, so to win those who don't have the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Today we want to take kind of a, a practical look and really give life to this scripture and this passage uh, through these men uh, that I'm really excited to introduce. Can you guys welcome John Dudley, Brian Barnes, and Pastor Derek Fry to the stage? Come on. Basically what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be having a conversation around influence. Now, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but uh, I can tell you for sure, sometimes I don't need a prepared message. Uh, I believe that has its place, and I love sermons. I am a preacher in the, uh, myself. But uh, I think sometimes there's so much value in just having a conversation. Does anybody agree with that? Uh, especially conversation with the high-level leader or high-level leaders, and I'm really excited to do so today. So I'm going to introduce you guys to these guys really fast. Uh, this is Brian Barnes right over here. Everybody say hi, Brian. This is Pastor Derek. If you don't know him, you should. This is Pastor Derek. And this is John Dudley. I'm going to have them go down. Brian, you can start. I'm going to have them go down, kind of give a brief description of who they are, what they do, what's your favorite color. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, and uh, anything else you want to share? What's that? Fuchsia. My socks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, those are distracting, Brian. Salmon. Oh, my socks are awesome. Those are awesome. Okay, um, yeah, again, are my name is Brian Barnes. Um, I'm a father of two, uh, Isaiah and Luke. They're here for service, 14 and 11. I have a beautiful wife, Dawn, who I embarrassed in the first service, and she's sitting down now without her camera focused <laughs> on me. <laughs> um, and I've been a member of this church uh, for a better part of 13 years and led a first impressions ministry for many years. I'm an elder at the church. Um, in my professional life, I am a chief uh, technology innovation officer and a chief operations officer for a small, medium-sized um, uh, biologics company, and I've been doing that for about eight years. Um, favorite color? I'm just, I was just kidding. No. Yeah. Basically, what he just said is he's smarter than pretty much everybody in this room right now. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, most of you guys know me, but if you don't, uh, I'm the lead pastor at Connect here. I've uh, been serving in that capacity. This May will be 15 years. I've uh, been in ministry almost uh, 24 years. Married uh, to my beautiful wife, Stacy, uh, for 25 years this year. So that was uh, this last year. So that's pretty awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, four awesome kids and uh, my son here on the stage. One uh, incredible kid, Yeah, though. okay. Uh, Three sort of misfit <laughs> girls. But well. Yeah. We call him the miracle. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my daughter was here a few minutes ago. My other daughter was singing a few minutes ago. You heard her. And my other daughter's over there, and she sings real loud from the front row. And, 
We, uh, we great family. I love, blessed just the legacy of my family is probably my greatest testimony and seeing them all love Jesus and, and serve and use their gifts. Um, what else can I say? Um, you know, I started, you know, from kind of ground zero here, I, from kind of pushing a mop to holding a mic. You know, I was the janitor. I was a custodian here many, many, many years ago as a young man and did, did things that nobody could see. And now I get to do things that everybody could see. So it's pretty awesome. Mm. That's awesome. And I'm John Dudley. I am married to Lori Dudley, who a lot of people know from the door, my gorgeous wife. She's in here somewhere. I have three boys, three great boys, 12, 11, and 8, all doing sports, wedging it in before second service and then coming <laughs> back after. And I live in Ashland, been coming to church since 03, small groups, done that for a long time, been in one for, we were talking about this before, almost 10 years, on and off with Brian. And also on the church uh, board of directors, which is Metro West Ministries, the parent organization of Connect. And also own a couple of companies and have been investing in real estates for most of my adult life. That's awesome, so. man. So these are basically three of my personal mentors and heroes uh, from my perspective and many people's perspective. They're all very successful men, not just when it comes to their professions, but certainly their family life. They're incredible fathers uh, and also in their Christian walk. And so I would encourage you guys to take some notes today. Uh, there's going to be a lot of just wisdom that's thrown out through conversation. Uh, I'm going to ask them a few questions, but before that, we're going to get in something called Hot Seat and uh, basically getting to know these guys a little bit so you guys are acclimated with them. Uh, first question, I'll go to John. Uh, what are some of your biggest pet peeves? Biggest pet peeves. Biggest pet peeves. Mayonnaise. <laughs> being wet and arrogant people. Okay, wow. What was the last one? <laughs> what was the last one? Being wet and, and arrogant people. So, arrogant so people. you don't like oh, okay. beaches or anything yeah, yeah, yeah. like that? I just don't go in the water much. Really? Mayonnaise. No yeah, beaches, beaches with mayonnaise. And mayonnaise, yeah. No uh, Dad, pet peeves. Uh, speed limits. Uh, <laughs> Or the other side of that, slow people driving in front of me. Uh, that's something I'm still working on, getting sanctified. I've been <laughs> confessing it regularly to kind of work it out. So you guys can be praying for me as a church uh, so that I don't face uh, the ultimate judge. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's a big one. Uh, people who smack. So people who eat food and yet you had to experience it with them out loud. So... <laughs> I definitely have a problem with that. Uh, I almost killed my dog uh, yesterday because he was <laughs> doing that really, really loud. So that's definitely a problem. Yeah, I probably bad breath. That's another one. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm kind of the step back, get a tic tac kind of person. Uh, so that's me. Yeah. It sounds like you're trying to include everybody in the service in <laughs> yes. your pet peeves. <laughs> oh y'all. Uh, I, I would say um, I have a couple. Um, I, I don't like when people start with the, the, the phrase to tell you the truth because I assume that they've been lying to me <laughs> up to that point. <laughs> Truthfully, um, to tell you the truth. I, I, um, I'm annoyed by vegans and vegetarians with agendas. <laughs> um, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a carnivore. Um, and then I, I, I don't like inconsiderate people, and that could be anywhere from people. Is a general disclaimer for what you just said. A few people ago? driving slow. <laughs> oh wait, what do you mean? Well, the vegan statement. So you know, so just oh, don't send that to connect. That's just that's just Brian. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I like vegans and vegetarians. Just don't try to convert me. <laughs> um, and then inconsiderate people. What I I hate walking somewhere and someone is walking and they just stop in the middle of where they are, they, they have no idea that it, there's other people around them. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Love it. Uh, Brian, what would you be if you weren't what you were? Chief Technician Officer, is that your official title? CTO, right? Something very similar yeah. to that. If you weren't Devin. that, what would you be? Um, well, it, it would hinge definitely on whether my wife could become the breadwinner. Like, find the job that, you know, we're, we're set. Um, is that an accusation or? <laughs> well, no, it's not, not at all. I mean, I constantly tell her, but I would become a taxidermist, which doesn't make any money, but I would enjoy that. Or a professional hunter. Um, I would really enjoy that. You're from Indiana, correct? Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a redneck. Um, yeah. And I mean that with all sincerity. <laughs> Rednecks are good people, but I grew up in Indiana. <laughs> I know, there's, there's one in our church. Also. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You. <laughs> Pops, uh, what is, uh, if you weren't a pastor, what would you be? 
Um, well, probably uh, something in the uh, you know sports world or health and exercise kind of world would be uh, a thing I would love to do. Um, but uh, I think I'd always gravitate towards sales. You know, I'm I'm, I'm into selling a good product. So. He's so spiritual. Yes, he's good. Slide that in. Yeah, Joe, go ahead. He's a pro. I realized uh, I said this last service because I just got back from a trip to Arizona where we saw like a, a the founder of Styx put on a concert, and I was like, I think I would be in an '80s throwback hair band, and I'd be the guitarist <laughs> touring. <laughs> come sail away, come sail away, and he's my sidekick. Do we have a Do we have a boy band right here? Is this what's happening? Old man band. Uh, John, proudest moment thus far. You can't say wedding day or kids. One of your, mm. one of your proudest moments. Hmm, wow. Surviving the housing crisis mm. of 08, 09. I'm going to do a lot of construction. Gotcha. Dad? Um, nothing with kids. That's a really tough one. I always just go right to that. Uh, the first time I dunked a basket. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. I'm in church. Was it a specific weight you threw up or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that wasn't the most proud, though. No, it was just a great day. That was yesterday. Crazy. <laughs> 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 we can go back. B, do you have one or no? Yeah, you probably should go because um, I can take up this I, time. I would say uh, I remember feeling really proud when I finished up my PhD training um, and did my dissertation. Um, I'm going to use kids because I have the mic. Uh, when I... <laughs> Got to baptize my oldest son. Mm. That was a great moment. It's awesome. Wasn't my question, but it's awesome. But whatever. He gets the claps. Um, he broke the rules. Yeah, seriously. Dad, who's your favorite child? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll ask a different question. What was the last sin you committed? <clears throat> Wanting to punch you in the face. <laughs> All right, transitioning uh, now. Uh, let me ask this, kind of getting into the conversation today. Um, uh, I'm also just intimidated by my father. Um, uh, how are you guys influenced and really led to Christ? What made you come to that decision? Uh, B, you can go first. Yeah, um, so as I mentioned, I'm from the Midwest, and, and it's a little, it's different back there in a sense that there's a lot of, oh, this, that was getting ready to sound really bad. Um, people focusing on being good, doing the right and wrong things back in the Midwest quite a bit, um, and if you ask someone, a lot of them would say, you know, it's a Bible Belt, right? They would say, I'm a Christian. And they focus in on that, the, the golden rule type stuff. Treat people well. They do the right things wrong, uh, uh, avoid the wrong things. But they really don't know the man that said that. They don't mm -hmm. know Christ. And um, that, was, that was a big transition point for me when I went off to college. I went to a small private Christian uh, university. I actually went there to play basketball, not to meet Jesus. <laughs> Funny how things worked out. Um, but, uh, anyways, uh, I had some very influential people around me that I watched and got to observe them living life with Christ mm. and living it in relationship with Christ, um, which was totally new for me. And, uh, through, uh, an event of, um, that was, to me was like the most detrimental, um, uh, devastating event in my life, getting cut from a basketball team. Remember, that's the reason I was there. Um, there was this really big man, bigger than pastor here. He was... Uh, 340 pounds, Olympic alternate for shot put. So just to put it in perspective, he like had two people hanging off of his side. Mm. Uh, um, and uh, I was really mad, and he grabbed me and, and um, held on to me like this and said, you need to go talk to Jesus, and this is where I do it, and this is what you need to go. And I literally could not get away from me until I, you know, said I was compliant, and I did it. And, <laughs> um, and you it do was, want him, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, that was the first time that I, I, I felt like I really – talked to Christ hmm. the way that, and, and had that encounter with God the way that he wants us to have that encounter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, what was this all for? And he, I gave up a lot, I felt like. And he said, because this is the first time you've ever spoke to me like this. This is the first time we've ever had mm -hmm. this conversation. That was really well, it. Yeah. You mentioned in first service about talking to Christ instead of just thinking about him. You want to expound on that? Yeah, a bit? I mean, I... I I spent a lot of time just thinking about the, and literally, I, I, on all standards, was a good kid growing up, you know, and, and I did the right things for the most part. Um, but it was, f it was all for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, and 
I can, like for me, sometimes just getting into the word, I can sit and think about it and opine on it and that kind of stuff in my own head. But until I start engaging God and start to ask him questions and talk and, and have that conversation, even when I'm mad, mm. um, I don't really receive what I think he has for me to learn. Mm. And so I talk out loud. Some, I, in my truck, I talk out loud. Mm. That's great. Dad, go ahead. Um, I was intro indirectly introduced to Christ through my mother. Uh, she was kind of, uh, uh, she was, came to Christ at an early age, uh, kind of a, what you call an undercover Christian when she first got married. Um, it came out because of pressure and stress within marriage. My father was an atheist. She married an atheist, and um, he was a devout atheist. So it was, uh, you know, faith was a crutch and all that. And so I, uh, you know, she, they started having problems. He started having problems. Uh, she really got committed to the Lord. Eventually, he committed his life to the Lord, and and I and I watched that, and I and I and I wanted what they had. Um, I think I made a, um, a heart decision, which I think is just like this. When I was a young boy, I said the sinner's prayer. Uh, I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, no doubt that that is a real thing, but I, I think for a lot of us, we uh, receive Christ. But very few of us submit to Christ, our life to Christ. I had what I would call a Gethsemane, kind of where I just said, it's not about me anymore, it's about you, when I was 19 years old in college, and uh, just kind of deciding whether I was going to follow this for myself, and really facing some foolish choices that I had made, and, some, and seeing some relationships, much like Brian was saying, where I saw their faith in action, and um, I, I bent my knee, and I surrendered to Christ on my own, uh, while I was in college, and uh, told the Lord, I'll, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life, mm -hmm. you know, and I want that peace that is beyond what I, any other thing I could see in the world, and I'd struggled long enough, and so there was a separation between receiving and submitting for me. Mm -hmm. That's great. I was raised Catholic my entire life. My mom's real devout. Uh, she might even come to some service occasionally, but she'll definitely still attend her St. Mary's, <laughs> and I was an altar boy for um, as long as I can remember until you kind of graduate from the program, which is like uh, uh, when you receive the final sacrament, and then I pretty much uh, wasn't involved in church at all from there. But what I looked at as a real positive back then is I had a lot of reverence. I, mean, I think people probably don't realize this, but a bulk of our church come from a Catholic background. And so I never for one second had any of the, uh, I mean, I knew uh, God was in control and, and, and ultimately was responsible for everything. So that, that came pretty easy, but I didn't really have any relationship with him and never even even cracked open a Bible. I remember uh, Lori's parents, who were Christians at the time when we got married, gave us a, a life application Bible. We put it on the shelf, and we're like, oh, that's great. And we left it there for years. <laughs> like, this is awesome. Uh, so, Can you just hear the conviction from the crowd right now? Exactly. They're like, oh, yeah, some of them have the same thing. Uh, but really, where the change started occurring for me was we September 11th happened, you know, and it hit me when I started to have all, all every train of thought brought me through there's people in this world that want to kill us for no reason, right? For no real good reason, in my opinion. And so everything I thought through is, is like something's wrong with this world. Something's wrong with it where, where that would exist, that kind of hatred. And so every path, every time I tried to like think it through, I, I, I couldn't, you know, and, and to have this stirring, you know, obviously looking back as a Christian, I'm going, I, I get it. Uh, so we started searching for churches. And it was mostly my wife searching for churches. She'll point that out. And so she was going for a while. We lived on Pleasant Street shortly. And then we just came here. I was... They searched everywhere but the street they lived on, just yes, as an aside. Yes, the street. Just well, as an aside. Thank I, you, Lori. I will point out, there were, at the time, there were smokestacks on top of this building. No cross. I had no idea it was a church. Irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> so, it was like, what's, they made a, pies what's a worship here, right? center? That's what I always thought. Yeah, same thing. So, one day, I just wanted to go. It's I went the with presence her. of God going up into heaven. Right. <laughs> and I was blown away. Of course, I was used to an organ. And we have a ripping band with lights and... Uh, you know, I, I survived that for six months. I just, it just took a while, man. It just did. And, of course, now I'm on the worship team. But um, so even then, you know, it took a little while. And small groups, I think, is what hit me. It was a relationship. So we, the first one we ever did was a ballroom small group because I was like, I can do ballroom. I don't know if I want to do Bible study and that kind of stuff. And we did ballroom. I think it was, yes, you and Stacy. Yeah. Uh, ballroom dancing, yep. And sure then I... Then from there, they, they, they also had another small group going, which was like a whoever's around on a Friday night type thing. Come over, Pastor. It was kind of like stragglers. Yeah, Pastor's house. We went over there. I was like, okay. Uh, but, I, but I met them. I felt comfortable with them. And then shortly thereafter, I did a men's group. 
and then it comes to the time where they're asking for, uh, you know, raise your hand if you're, or at the time it wasn't, it was everybody, you have to stand up at the end of the service. It was like, stand up, and you know, if you want to accept you know, Christ as your Savior. And I was like, ah, definitely something had changed inside me, mm. but it was still my wife, <laughs> that's, that's what it stood up, and I, and I thought to myself, I said, all right, all right we're, we're going to do this. <laughs> How's that for leadership? Oh, she's up. Yeah. Uh, no, but still, sometimes it takes somebody else like to take that first step, and you're like, I'll do it. You know, obviously somebody you trust. I mean, I, but I was there, so then I'd never look back from there. That's awesome, man. Uh, thank you guys for sharing your stories. Uh, I want to get into a few questions I have crafted for you guys. Uh, obviously, you guys see the clock here, so we got to go quick. But um, are there any like practical steps you guys take to influence people? I know all you guys personally. I know all you guys are phenomenal influences for Christ in your communities. I mean, Brian and I and uh, Dad, we all go to the same gym, and everybody knows Brian, everybody knows Dad. And uh, I know uh, John is influencing all these entrepreneurs and business leaders all the time. Do you guys have any tips, any things you can give us, like practical tools to influence people well? Uh, why don't, Dad, you go first? Um, I think that there's a scripture in the Bible that says, um, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that's within you. And I think the, the first two words really pop, and that is be prepared. Mm. I think a lot of Christians are just simply not prepared uh, to, you know, share your story in very, uh, you know, how you came to Christ. Uh, John just did it. Brian just did it. I just did it. Um, I think we should be able to share what, what God has done in our life in like two minutes or less in, um, in a very, uh, you know, attractional way. And I think that people will be drawn to us. We should be prepared. The other thing that's cool about this particular verse, it says be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks. So there's a basic assumption in the scriptures that people are going to see something in your life that's going to make them want to ask the question. Mm, so one so of the things good. I th see as a problem within, uh, and this microphone series is really trying to illustrate how important it is to live a life that is so attractional that people want to know, what, what's the deal with you? What's so up good. with you? You know, Daniel had, uh, you know, the Bible says, you know, an excellent spirit. And so, and he was able to solve problems and enigmas, and he was, had wisdom, and he had knowledge, and he had all kinds of things about him. So there was something, but they, it was described as a spirit, like an excellent spirit about this person. And I think that for us, we need to be able to carry that so we don't have to say anything. They ask us, mm. and you're just ready. You're just ready to give an answer to the hope that's within you. So good. John, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I agree with that. The, one of the biggest things that maybe separated me before versus after uh, having a relationship with Christ was the, the, the way I viewed people. So I've got a bunch of employees, even at the time, I look back, and it was almost like uh, an employee had a purpose. And their purpose was to do something for the business. I didn't view them as like souls and people having, I mean, if I really am hard on myself, I didn't, I didn't it, it was like a means to an end. If that, I don't know if anybody can relate to that sometimes. Or be, maybe you can relate to having treat, treated that way. And even if they're nice people and they know laws and they have to follow certain laws, they don't truly care for you. So inside, it kind of switched where I was like, I'm responsible for all these people. Like, there's a weight. Mm. <laughs> there's a weight with that. And I care about them. And I care about them not just in their work capacity. So I'll find, number one, valuing people mm. I put on there. I, even, even so much so, I've got one guy that's like a, a basically a workaholic in one of the companies. And he's almost like trying to impress me with how much he works. And I'm like, you just got married, man. <laughs> I was like, you want to stay married? And, and I'm serious. And I'm like, I constantly, I'm like, how's she doing? How's everything going? You guys going to have dinner? And, and, and I really do care for him because I'm like, for several reasons, obviously his, himself as a person, but on top of that, you're no good to your company if, you're, if you burn out mm. from your work. You're no good to your company, no good to your community. Sure. So it's not just that, but for me that was a big one. Um, I'm constantly trying to build people up and add value. I won't typically get involved in things if I, can't, if I don't believe I can add value to them. Another big one for me is being respectful. Mm. I think a lot of times as Christians, you know, we know truth, we know right and wrong, uh, but and we want to kind of attack people with it, insult them with it. And I, in some of my relationships that I've maintained over the years through business, some of the business groups I'm part of, um, I've gotten opportunities because I earned it. You, mm. you guys have heard uh, the saying, people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You've probably heard that, right? And I've got a you know, friend that's extremely liberal, and I tend to be a little more on the conservative side, and I don't, I don't do politics with him. We're not going to talk politics. I don't want to, I don't get involved because it doesn't help my relationship with him. And I, I find myself constantly almost defending him around some of my other peers that want to like assault him, especially during these crazy elections. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 just settle down, settle down. And, and, and he really respects and appreciates that. And he knows there's something different because of that. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have to. Something real fast. I just think, is this, I think this is something that John was sort of saying in just kind of summation is like, you want to connect before you correct. 
So I think a lot of times the Christians, so we're, 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 we're weak on both sides. We're, we're not doing a good job connecting. You know, Jesus was so good at this. So Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. You know, basically he's like, I want to connect with you. I'm going to do it in a relational way. It's amazing how few people we'll want to connect with that don't think, believe, or, you know, you know look the way we do. But Jesus would go out of his way to do that. So he'd, we got to connect. And then the correct part, like a lot of times Christians, we feel like we're being insincere in our faith if we associate with somebody who doesn't think, believe, and act like us, which is totally not true. We're, our, we're called, actually, to influence them. Wow. But it's done, it's, it's done through relationships. So I just, I just think there's growth opportunities on both sides. Mm. C- correct will come after, but it will come through conversation, not confrontation. It's great. I was confused when I heard a pastor say in two minutes or less, but now you oh. clarified that by adding that in. <laughs> no, this is dynamic. Um, I would say a couple things uh, I find pretty important. One, you got to know who you are. And I don't, I don't mean know who your actions, you know, like how you act. That's not who you are. It's how you were designed. Um, like a quick plug for, for just going through the grow check. I mean, when you go and to discover you or next steps, uh, next steps um, see, I'm old school. If you go to next steps, it, you're going to see who you are. Mm. And, you know, some people are um, comforters. Uh, some are teachers. Like, I'm not a comforter. Uh, most people that know me know that that's not it. Um, <laughs> I was saying this before with my kids. It's like, how many times have you heard me say soldier up? And, and it's just reality with the way that I'm built. They're like three years old. Oh, they, they were. They were. Yeah, take your spank and Shin, soldier up. No, and snap. Soldier up, um, kid. But, um, Give me 20. <laughs> but you have to know who you are. Um, the way God has made me is to be relational. Uh, mm. And that's why I was in the first impressions ministry. I was, I was fulfilling what he's put inside me through action. Mm. And you got to kind of know who you are. So if you've not done that and not explored that, I encourage you to do so. Um, that will lead you into looking for intentional opportunities. Um, intentionality would be the other thing I would say is important. But being intentional about looking for the opportunities where you can be highly effective at going and ministering to people. And when I say ministry, it's, it's really sometimes just sowing a seed that someone's going to come later on and uh, bring that plant to full growth. Uh, I pastors done this. There's many people at the gym that I've felt like I've sowed seeds with for years. Never had the great opportunity to really talk to them about Christ and the way that he has done it. And when he came over to the same gym facility I have... I mean, it's amazing the way that their lives have changed. There's many that are coming to this church today because of it. Mm. Um, and then I, I, the last part, and maybe this is more of a tip than anything, is um, be available. Mm. If you're not so available, you're, it doesn't matter how good you are at it. You're never going to uh, win souls for Christ. Come and um, Like one of the things, I have a busy life. I, I really do. I, with work, I coach three sports. I travel probably 40% of my week. Elders um, and church stuff. Um, is a priority. I have a small group that I try not to miss um, and will take 6 a.m. flights because I want to be there for Monday night. Mm. Um, all those things, it's hard sometimes to find big set chunks of time. Um, so I take the 15 minutes I driving home from work and I call someone that's non-work related. Mm. I kind of, that's my rule. I'm going to call someone that is a, an important person to me um, from a spiritual level or that's someone so that great. I'm trying to connect with. That's so awesome. Uh, I'm going to get a question to you two about that work-life balance, work-church-life balance. But, Dad, specifically, if you guys want to weigh in, you can. Uh, we got to be sensitive for time. How do you, what do you do when somebody doesn't believe the same way you do? And, uh, like, how do you handle that kind of situation? Somebody doesn't believe in God the same way you do. Uh, do you give up on them? Do you keep investing in them? What if there's not any change or you have a confrontation or an argument? What do you do? Well, first of all, I, I don't. I don't believe most of the people's issues are with our beliefs. So my basic assumption is that people are not saying no to God. They're saying no to the messenger. They're saying no to the method. They're not saying no to the message. Mm. Uh, amazingly, the scriptures and the texts of God are sacred, and, and they're timeless, and they still work. And I don't think people have any issues with that at all. So my basic assumption is that might be what's on the outside, but really they're hurt, they're angry, they're disappointed. Mm. Uh, some a church leader in particular, you know, some other cr- Christian has uh, has done a lot of damage. So I think we have to get the the bad news out b- uh, f- before we can get the good news in. Yeah. So I, I just want to build a relationship and and kind of just be 
ready for that. I think people are saying no to what they don't really know. Hmm. The summary is they're saying no to something that if they knew what I knew, they'd want it. I believe so they want what I have. They just don't know. So I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't want to play basketball. I don't want to put on football pads and get knocked down. I'm like, I mean, uh, you know, pads and get knocked down. I'm like, that's, that's football. That's not basketball. You know, oh, oh, basketball is totally different. Like, people don't realize mm. they, have a, they have the wrong idea about what really relationship with God is all about. So, so I like to just sit and continue to, you know, kind of walk the sidelines of their life, almost like a lifeguard on a beach, and just wait for people to open up. And that will come as we establish common ground, and eventually they're going to start asking questions. Uh, sometimes people change, you know, when they hurt enough, they have to, and you're there for them to help save them and rescue them. And nobody gives their life to Christ until they realize they're drowning. And so we're just called to be lifeguards, you know, standing by, walking the beach, ready for them. And I don't think it's because they don't believe. I think it's because they don't realize they're drowning. Mm, so good, man. Um, but for Brian and John, yeah, you guys can give it up. For Brian and John, uh, you guys in the business world, uh, how do you balance that business side of you guys? I know you run a business. Brian, you're extremely busy all the time, traveling all the time. How do you balance being at church, being involved in church, and the work life? We were talking about it a little bit backstage. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about. But yeah, I'll, do we, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, one, it comes down to priorities. You, if you don't establish those as your priorities and you don't, I mean, I'm talking when you establish priorities to, to articulate them, to, to message them, to let other people know what your priorities are. Um, you know, these gentlemen speak into my life often, and when it's out of whack, they would let me know. Hmm. Um, so establish your priorities. So church has to be a priority. Um, the things of God, maybe I'll categorize it that, have to be a priority. Um, I, I just had a recent experience with a, another um, chief officer in our company, and uh, we were talking about another chief officer who is, is um, saying he's, he doesn't have the time to do certain activities. And, and he's like, you know, at our level, I don't, you have to be working weekends. You can't do this without working, um, you know, after six every night and working weekends and all that kind of stuff. And, and it hit me. I was like, that's not true. I mean, I, I maybe put two hours a weekend and to work because that's not what weekends are for for me it's it's coaching it's sunday church it's if there's other activities it's investing into relationships that are impactful for me on a spiritual and emotional level mm. um so i believe that god multiplies my time not during the week mm. because i put a priority and cherish those times on the weekends so great that's awesome yeah so I think probably what I was mentioning last service was I, you guys might, might have felt the same way at certain times. You almost feel God tugging you. He just keeps bringing something up to your mind to get involved in some way in, in, in the church, in, in the ministry, and uh, almost to the point where I felt I was getting tormented. It was like constantly reminding me, all right, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you do something with the board, you do something with the board. And, and I'm like, all right, uh, all right, God, you know, obviously <laughs> I should do something here. So and, and I felt the same way over the years with even small groups, and oftentimes I'm weighing, I'm, I'm the same way, I'm just completely maxed out. And the way my mind works is I'm thinking I've wedged everything I possibly can into my schedule. If I pull something now, it's going to cost me. And I'm, and I'm calculating what that'll cost. I don't know if anybody's like me. <laughs> There's some of you in this room. Uh, and because it's expensive, you know. And, and then I'm going, all right, well, because you're volunteering and you're donating time and you're being, and, and you know, you're, there's incredible things happening. You're changing lives, but you don't know that at the time when you, when you first, like, kind of, you know, testing the waters. And I look, and there was a time when I, I felt like God revealed this to me. He said, you know, um, if you build my church, I'll build your businesses. Mm. And then, wow. of course, it took me a little while later. I realized, all right, those businesses are his too. <laughs> it took a little while. But, and I look back, and I, I'm careful about what I get involved in, but I've never um, skipped a beat as far as that financially. It's always been gain from there. So good. Been blessed for that. So good. Dad, do you want to weigh in on it? Oh, sorry, were you done? Uh, yeah, yeah, in that piece, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, um, sorry, I think that if, you know, we make his agenda our agenda, he makes our agenda his. Matthew six thirty three. you know, seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto mm. you. So it, it, I'm glad they went first because it sounds self-serving, but I believe the greatest investment on earth is the local church. Come on. Because it's the only thing that's addressing eternal things. Everything we're doing is just like, you know, it's like vapor. It's, you can't take it with you. 
Nobody's going to have what all they got trailing behind them, you know, in a, in a hearse. It, it, you can't take, the only thing you take with you is the relationships that you established, and they're the only things that are eternal. And it's the kingdom and, and the local church that makes that happen. So I think that people struggle in prioritization because they're not seeing it right. It's like, what am I, I'm going to stand in line one day and be rewarded for what I did in this life with what God gave me. I want to make sure that I'm about his business. If I am, he's going to make my businesses, my life, my business, my family, my relationships, whatever's important to me, he's going to make that successful. Mm. So I think if we have a lost focus, if you think about Luke 15, 99 and 1, or all the things that were lost, there was never a focus on every th- all, the, the, all this. It was always a focus on that which was disconnected, mm. that which was isolated from God, that which was pulled away. So connects exist to c- connect the disconnected. Mm. And if we make that our priority, you will be blessed. I wish you could know these guys deeper than what you can see here. It would seem inappropriate, and it would seem prideful. But I'm just telling you, they have very favored lives because they put kingdom ahead of themselves. Come on. Can I add one, one last point to that? Um, it, it's the truth. It is. Thanks, Pastor. Um, you, you have to give permission to certain people to speak into your life. Uh, like, um, obviously, all the elders around me, they can speak into my life whenever they have a open permission about that. But, like, John Dudley and John Sakarowicz, Chris Belly, these guys, I have asked them many times, guys, if you see me getting out of whack on my priorities, if, if I'm investing in something that does not have that return on it, um, and I'm talking about soul return, um, you need to let me know. Mm. Because it's not easy prioritizing all those kind of things sometimes. It's not easy um, putting all those things together and organizing it. Mm, so good. Uh, two more questions. One is, how? I'll go you, Brian, first. How did you and how do you get over the fear of man, meaning approval or the opinions of people? Uh, we're talking about sharing our faith and stuff, and I know a lot of people will either get nervous to share their faith, scared. I know, Dad, I, I wrote down a note last week from one of your sermons. It says many people don't live in, you said many people don't live in confidence, they live in cowardice. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we combat that and get rid of that? Brian, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think for me what really resonated with me is, um, you know, God eventually, he'll, he'll start pulling the scales off your eyes, so you'll see things in a different way. Um, if you're focusing on him and focus on what he, he um, is telling you to believe and, or not telling you to, teaching you to believe through the word and all that, through your prayer and all that, and one of the things I learned really quickly is that people are just like me. You know, I get to see maybe the 10% that they put on Facebook and all that kind of stuff where they are wanting you to see how good they are and all mm. that kind of stuff. And then you get to see maybe the little bit of the ugly stuff that happens when circumstances and situations are bad. You don't really get to see the middle stuff, which is really a lot similar to what we are. We have questions that are unanswered. We have thoughts and feelings and, and fears and all that kind of stuff that are unaddressed. Um, and so they all have it no matter what facade they put on out in the front. So once I realized that, it's like I, I don't need to be fearful of engaging with them. Mm. Um, what I need to be fearful of is not doing what God is asking me to do. Mm. Um, Come on. And that's what he's asking us to do is to go out and reach them. So, again, Pastor mentioned it earlier. I believe it was Pastor that said that, you know, if you're not investing in the relations piece of it first, um, you know, we've said here for many years that, you know, we, get, we need to provide a place for people to belong mm. before they can become to, to a point where they can believe. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's true. And it's the same way. So um, I guess I don't fear any man. I mean, obviously, there's times that you have to go for um, some type of not approval, but acceptance in, in a, like in a job interview or something like that. You need to show your worth mm-hmm. to them from a, a worldly perspective. But you shouldn't fear that. Mm. You can fear that. That's great. Uh, I'll have Dad go first. Um, I'll try not to steal anything you were going to say. Uh, I already did. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, for me, uh, looking back at my life and just kind of looking at the, I had, I believe I had an approval addiction, which the Bible would call the fear of man. So that was a preoccupation with what everybody thought of me. And I think that's the, one of the ultimate expressions of selfishness. I mm. think if you have a fear of man, you're actually serving self. You're not serving everybody else. Mm. Because you're worried that the root of it, the core of it, the seed of it is, is you. And so I don't think you're happy, and I, I just don't think I was. I ended up making everybody unhappy because at the end of that, you don't please anybody in the process of trying to please everybody. 
And so that was the motivation for me is seeing, how, how's it working out for you, Derek, you know, trying to be Mr. Popular? How's it working out for you trying to have everybody like you? And it just didn't work out very good. Um, that was a, certainly a major motivator. One we already talked about was just the incentive that basically God was like, hey, I'll bless you if you make my business your business. That was a huge one we already talked about. And then I think for me, and I think a lot of you need this, I think that a lot of us have not had a Gethsemane. We've not had a moment or an encounter with God where we kind of really see what's up. Like John had that, and it's like all of a sudden he realized, I'm not valuing people. I'm, I'm looking at people the wrong way. That Something happened, and it happened in different people in the Bible. Moses had an encounter with God. He saw him face to face. Everything changed. You know, Peter had an encounter with God. Everything changed. Mm -hmm. Jacob had an encounter with God. Everything changed. Saul, who later became Paul, had an encounter with God. So I just think, you say, well, I want an encounter with God. How do I get it? Pursuit. Mm. How, how, how hard are you going after God to try to really connect with him and have that face-to-face -face encounter? I think sometimes God wants to see, do you love me? Do you really love me? He said that to his disciples, and I think he would say it to us. And so sometimes I think we're not really running after him. We're like barely crawling. So if we would run after God and pursue him, the test of desire is pursued. You will have a face-to-face -face encounter. And when you do, a person with that, a person with an experience, excuse me, an argument, is at the mercy of a person, uh, a person with experience at the mercy of a person. I'm not saying it right, and I'll get it. A person with an argument is at the mercy of a person with an experience. So when you have that encounter, whatever anybody else says, I don't, I don't know about that, but all I know is what I know is Jesus saved me. Jesus showed me something I didn't know about myself. Yeah. Jesus rescued me from my sins. I traded this for this, and I've never been more happy, never been more fulfilled in my whole life. So I think we all need an encounter with God, and that will help us overcome so, the fear of man. Quick plug really fast. You want to have an encounter? We have an encounter night tonight, SNL. Yeah. Yeah. Come to SNL at 5.30 tonight, yeah. the yep. test of desire's pursuit. Yeah. Come through. I'm telling you, it's going to be a powerful night. And I think we're on the same track. I, I feel similar to the way these guys do. I think yet maybe one other way for me that, or a couple ways that hit me just slightly differently, is that um, although I know God knows every little intricate detail about us, and a lot of times you'll, you'll, you'll hear the message of, of, of love and, and peace and kindness, um, it's the, he's the same God that created the universe. I mean, he can take our breath away like that. The yeah. reason we're even here tomorrow is because he chooses to allow us to be here tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And some people, I think, forget that. And I'm so thankful for that on a regular basis. Yeah. And I realize he's yeah. the one that carries me Amen. through crazy, wacky economies. He's the one that carries me through partners that go nuts, you know, and just, just crazy stuff that happens. You guys know in work and business, it's just nuts. I mean, I, I have real enemies. I have real people that want to harm me on a regular basis, like legally, possibly physically. And it, it's, just, it's just, that's life, man. And, and, and you know, we serve, I serve a God that is bigger than all that. So yes. when, you, when, you, when you talk about, like, fear, like, who, who shall I fear? That's who I fear. Mm -hmm. I do yeah. not fear someone that wants to sue me. Yeah, I don't because I know it will work out. The second thing I'll say is uh, that might um, maybe is being silenced as a Christian leader or an owner of a company or owner of a business. And oftentimes just lack of awareness of law or is no excuse. So, often, so what we oftentimes do as employers is like, oh, my goodness, I don't want them hearing anything or thinking we're a faith-based type company or like, don't say that. Don't, you know, I, have, I have a lot of Christians in our company. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, what are they going to say? And so a, a big resource for me was the Alliance Defending Freedom, Faith in the Workplace. It's a free download. And they've done things like uh, been involved in the Hobby Lobby case and, and um, some of the other things like Chick-fil-A type organizations where uh, as an owner, you, gotta, you, gotta, you know, there's a lot of things you cannot do, but there's a ton more that you can do, mm. and people don't understand that, Come so on. they completely keep faith out. Like, I'm afraid they're going to run sermons on, or some Christian music or something, and, oh, don't do that, because you have to be fair and equal in certain things and not be hiring or promoting uh, based on that. But there's a lot of things that you can do, and, and I think you need to get educated as to how to do that. Otherwise, uh, my voice was kind of taken away. Absolutely. So That's great. Um, Dad, as a pastor of our church, uh, do, you think, do you think we do a good job at influencing people for Christ? Yeah, I think that one of the things I think we do really well, I'm going to give you a, 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 a pump up the jam, and I'm going to give us all a growth opportunity. I think we do a good job when people get to connect. So you might be here for the first time and never been to a church like this. And, and I, I, tip, I think for the most part, and, and, and it's not just because of uh, numerical growth, but many, many, many conversations and encounters that people find this environment refreshing. And so you that are frequent flyers or family of Connect, you've done such a great job at providing a non-judgmental, you know, a safe, 
uh, loving, caring, friendly environment. In fact, the number one compliment that we get at Connect is how friendly the church is. That we, we are what our name says. We do a good job at connecting with people. Do we have growth opportunities? Of course. Can we do better? Absolutely. But you do a great job at helping people who are out there come in here and feel connected. So you deserve to give yourself a big hand for that because you guys do that awesome. Connects you. I just think second to none. I get to travel all over the country, speak in a lot of different places. You guys want an incredible, credible culture. But I will challenge with two things. One is kind of what's coming. And these two guys represent this so well. Many of you are the same situation that are in this audience do this so well. But, but I think a lot of us can grow in this. If you don't have time for ministry, if you don't, if you, then, then you're too busy. Come on. You're too busy. Because, again, the greatest investment that I think of your time, your energy, your talents, your resources, your treasure, all that. And I'm saying this loud and proud, whether you think it's self-serving or whatever reason you might think behind it. I don't really care because I want to be a good pastor because I don't have the fear of man anymore. Praise the Lord. And that is, you know, this is your best investment, the local church. And so create margin. Create margin in your life and, and make it a priority in your life and watch just watch. Just give it a year and watch what God does in your life. Literally in every single area of your life. If it is not better, go to another church and I'll go with you. I'll go with you, okay? But that's not going to happen. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to say is, and, and, and turn it over to Devin, is I think people need to pursue God. See, this isn't a seminar. This isn't some kind of Tony Robbins thing. I got nothing against him and, and, and some kind of Oprah talk show thing. This is, we're trying to connect people to a real God. This isn't about policy and procedures. It's about a personal encounter with God. Yeah. When Paul had an incredible encounter with God, listen to this. This is from the message. He said this in 1 Corinthians 2. And this was a very educated person, like these two guys to my right and to my left. It basically said, um, and he was intimidated about being an influence. You can see it even in his words. Uh, he said, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus, who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate like some of us do. I was scared to death. Wow. Tell us what you really feel, Paul. If, if you want to tell the truth, uh, 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 truth of it, uh, and so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. Well, how did it come through, Paul? God's spirit and God's power did it which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. Wow. We want people, when they come to God, to celebrate when they come to church. We want there to be the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when they come to church. We want to prepare them with something that when they go out, their life has changed forever. And every time we come here, we want to help them, a salvation opportunity where they can actually connect to God himself. Mm. And I think that's what we need to do better as a church. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. That's my charge amen. to you. Amen. Can you amen. give it up for our panelists? Thank you, guys. You guys can find your seats. Uh, can everybody stand with me? Uh, I hope that was beneficial for you. Uh, I believe it added a lot of value to us. Did it not? Yes. Come on. Um, I'll tell you just, just something really quick that they said. Uh, man, if you want to have an encounter with God, I'll tell you one thing you can do, and I promise you you will have one of the most powerful experiences in your Christian walk is when you see a friend that you've invited to church and they accept Jesus for the first time, I'm telling you, that is a moment you will never forget in your entire life and you will feel the power of God in that moment. That is where you encounter God right there. And influencing people, this is what this church is called to do. We are called to influence people, not just be influences to other churches. We're, we're called to influence our communities, our businesses, in the marketplace, everywhere. I believe this local church is called to do exactly that. And uh, man, what an honor and what a journey uh, it's been to be a part of this church. But how many know we're just getting started? We're just starting to reach a certain amount of people. We got hundreds getting saved right now. We're going to have thousands getting saved eventually. Come on. We're going to have thousands. And I'm telling you, uh, what we do right here matters. And so I want to ask every single person would bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want to give a moment now uh, for those of you that maybe have never been influenced by Christ. You know, there's a principle, uh, whatever you're full of is what you're led by. See, if you're full of your own passion, you'll be led by your own passion. But if you're full of God's love, you'll be led by God's love. And you can't be an influence for, for Christ unless you've first been influenced by him. And I want to give you a moment now where you can receive and respond to that very invitation. Some of you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the very first time. 
If that's you, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand boldly after I count to three. And you say, that's me. I need Jesus to save me and forgive me for my sin. One, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so, so much. It wasn't, it wasn't the Roman guard that kept him up on that cross. It was his love that kept him up on that cross for you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. This is not a game. You do not know if you have tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up right now and boldly say, I want to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you so much. I see those hands right up front here. I see those hands in the back there. Thank you so much. Now, if you put this, put your hands down and just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody say, Jesus. I repent of my sin. And I ask you to forgive it. Thank you for dying for me. You had me in your mind when you were on that cross. Now from this day forward, I will live for you. I will honor you. I will influence people for you. Thank you, God. Thank you for saving me. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Now, Father, for every person that just received uh, salvation and they prayed that prayer, I pray blessing over them, both emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually speaking, Father. I pray you uh, put your Holy Spirit into them so that wherever we go, in our businesses, in our school systems, in our families, in our friendships, in our social environments, we will be able to influence people for the kingdom of God and for Christ, Lord. I pray we take all the wisdom that was shared today, we will put it into our hearts and we'll be led by it, God. Help us to add value to people, to love people unconditionally. No matter what kind of background they have, opinions they have, we will be the light and the salt of the earth. We will be people that are making a difference in the lives of every single person we come in contact with. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for this body. In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody in here said? Amen, amen and amen. Thank you, guys. Go ahead, Mal.